Healthcare for the working poor. Is it possible? Can a major American city afford it? Both San Francisco and an astonishing woman with an unusual name say yes and yes. You are listening to Reach MDXM 157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, your host, and with us today is Tangerine Brigham, Deputy Director of Health with the San Francisco Department of Public Health and Director of Healthy San Francisco. Welcome, Tangerine. Uh, thank you. Hello, Michael. Let's talk about the Healthy San Francisco program. Give it to us in a nutshell what it is. It's not an insurance plan. It's a medical home plan. Tell us about it. Sure. Uh, the medical home is the centerpiece for Healthy San Francisco. It's the notion that an individual has a usual source of care and a place to get care on a regular basis as opposed to going to an emergency room or urgent care to get services. They're connected with a provider and a clinic that focuses on primary care, focuses on preventative care, and when that individual needs access to specialty services or diagnostic services or pharmacy services, that provider who that person has developed a relationship with can facilitate that person's access to this. And we know that individuals who are uninsured don't have this, and as a result, they have to navigate a very difficult system in order to get just basic services, which is costly and inefficient. Now, we're all used to a healthcare system in America where we wait till we get sick and then we show up in the hospital or we show up at our doctor's office with a problem. I keep seeing in all of your literature and you keep talking about preventative care. How does the program push this or urge people to get preventative care? Because from some of the shows we've done in the past, a number of medical experts say that if we could do preventative care, we could cut the health care bill down in this country tremendously. You know, I, I think that's absolutely right, Michael. One of the things we're doing is we have a newsletter, and one of our first newsletters that goes out to our clinicians and to our participants really focuses on preventative health. So we had a whole issue because of our population on Hep B and the importance of getting Hep B screening. One of the things we're looking at is focusing on issues, merging our public health role, because we're a public health department, and infusing that in Healthy San Francisco. So we've done a lot of work with smoking cessation, those kinds of things. But we do recognize that prevention is, in many parts, a behavior change. And while individuals are really good starting behavior changes in the beginning of the year, say, with New Year's resolution, I'm going to eat better, I'm going to exercise more, by the time spring comes around, they've forgotten. No, it's January 2nd. By the time January 2nd comes around, you've quit the gym membership. Exactly, exactly. And so one of the things we are doing is sort of continually infusing that message, not only through publications we send out to our members, but quite frankly through our clinicians. And we hope that by people having a medical home and doing personal relationships, we can focus that better. But we recognize that it will take time to get people to really focus on prevention. So we know it's not going to happen overnight. That's where we need to go with our whole healthcare system. Now, how is this funded? People pay co-pays from what I understand from your website. Sure. The bulk of the funding is actually public funding, be it either city and county funding, state funding, or local funding for Healthy San Francisco. In addition, people pay participation fees and point-of-service fees, and that's been no different than what the department has done for almost uh, two decades. But one of the things that's important to recognize is that the fees are designed to be affordable so that they don't impede access. So uh, no individual pays more than 5% of their annual income on either the quarterly participation fee or on point-of-service fees uh, to access the program. And to give you a sense of how much uh, the fees are, let's take 
one person who makes between, say, $10,000 and $20,000 a year. So they're between 101 and 200% of the federal poverty level. The cost of Healthy San Francisco in terms of participation, we think, on a quarterly basis, is about $675. We think that, on average, someone will use that amount of health care uh, cost. Uh, in Healthy San Francisco, someone earning between ten dollars and $20,000 a year would only pay $60 a quarter. They're not paying $675 a quarter. So they receive a subsidy valued at over $600 to make it affordable for them. It will provide an inducement for them to participate. Can they use the system anytime they want? I mean, can they go to the doctor at will? Well, they will select a primary care medical home that's One of the things that uh, we believe is important is a person's selection of a primary care medical home, and they will select that home, and then if they need to go to that primary care medical home, which is a clinic, and there are providers in that clinic, they will make an appointment, and they can go to that clinic and see that provider. Now, if they need to see a specialist, generally they will have to go to their medical home first to be referred to a specialist. So, Tandre, I've noticed that the covered and non-covered sections that only some dental and no vision care are included. Do people get any vision care if they have eye issues, or is this just out of the picture? First, let me just clarify one thing you said. Actually, Healthy San Francisco does not cover dental or vision. Okay. In terms of vision, we do not cover the manufacturing of eyeglasses. We do have uh, vision services available for those individuals who have uh, diabetes, who are referred to ophthalmology. And from ophthalmology, one of the recommendations is that the person get glasses. So we do have it within the context of a uh, clinical uh, medical need, but we do not have the ability, just because of funding limitations, to provide general vision for everyone in the program. And that's the same, quite frankly, with dental. Uh, We certainly understand the notion of whole health and that physical health, dental, and vision are tied together but our resources did not allow us to really be able to provide a full scope of dental services under Healthy San Francisco. Now, the Department of Public Health does have about four or five clinics in our system where we provide dental services, and someone could go access dental services through that mechanism. All right, let's change topics for a second. You had or may still have a lawsuit against the program because some of your funding comes from employers, and there was one employer who was suing, saying that couldn't exist with this. Can you discuss that? It's actually the Golden Gate Restaurant Association, which is an association of restaurants uh, in San Francisco, that filed a lawsuit in federal court to prevent not the implementation of Healthy San Francisco, but the implementation of the employer spending requirement, which is a companion measure of Healthy San Francisco, but two different programs. And they filed suit on the grounds that it preempted a federal law, the Employee Retirement Income Security Act. The district court ruled in favor of the Restaurant Association. Uh, The city and county then promptly appealed to the Ninth Circuit. The Ninth Circuit ruled in favor of the city and county, which allowed for implementation of the ESR, the employer spending requirement, in January. In April, the middle of April, both parties were in court again to do the appeal before the Ninth Circuit. The city argued that it believed the employer spending requirement did not violate federal law. The Golden Gate Restaurant Association argued uh, the opposite. We are still waiting for the Ninth Circuit's opinion, but in the meantime, the employer spending requirement went into effect, and in fact, at the end of April, we had more than 500 employers select Healthy San Francisco uh, to meet the employer spending requirement. The value of the funding 
is over $7 million from those employers to provide some type of health benefit for over 16,000 employees. What do your critics say? Is there a downside to this program? A downside to Healthy San Francisco? Uh I don't know if uh, there have been downsides to the notion of primary care medical homes and expanding access to the uninsured. Well, you must have some critics. But I will say there is the concern about localities doing this in the absence of state reform. Because in a lot of ways, you really do need state reform and federal reform to really address uh, the uninsured issue. You know, as you noted in the beginning of the program, Healthy San Francisco is not insurance. There is no portability. But it is also true that San Francisco swells during the day because we have many people who work in neighboring counties. Healthy San Francisco doesn't allow someone who might be covered in our program, the San Francisco resident who happens to be in Marin County across the Golden Gate Bridge and who happens to get sick, to be covered under Healthy San Francisco. People would argue that that probably is something that the state or the federal government should address, a regional or statewide effort. But at least you're doing something. Absolutely, and I think that communities such as San Francisco, certainly Massachusetts, have decided that while it's preferable to have health care reform on a federal level, in the absence of having it on the federal level, states and localities have to do something. And if we can help push the issue forward by showing what we're able to do with our resources and giving a sense of what works and what doesn't work, I think we're happy to be the guinea pigs to push this effort in a new direction, which is more regional, more statewide, more national and focused. Grassroots, I love it. Have other cities approached you to like look at your program, and do you think it'll spread to other cities? Well, we've had interest in other cities, other states. For example, I was in New York last week. Our health director was in New Orleans. Uh, last week. He's in Connecticut now. Uh, I've spoken to individuals from South Carolina, from uh, Maryland, and the like, all interested in doing certain aspects of our program. And we recognize that, you know, the strategic advantages that exist in San Francisco might not be the same ones that exist in another area. You know, it's not a sort of a cookie-cutter approach to what we're doing. But we certainly believe communities can, quite frankly, do feasibility analysis of what currently exists to improve their systems. So, for example, you know, you might not have a full cadre of primary care medical homes in your community, but there are probably ways in which you could improve the eligibility and enrollment system so that people have fewer barriers to get into the system. Those kinds of improvements, I think, all of us can sort of focus on. Can you share a story or two about people who were helped greatly by this program? Are people grateful, or like some of my patients, they still complain about having to pay a $20 copay even though they can afford it? So one of the things that occurred during the debut of Healthy San Francisco was that we talked to a few people and asked them, well, why did you enroll in the program now? Particularly given the fact that the clinic had been in existence since the 1970s. They, as individuals, had been living in the city for a number of years, but for various reasons had not gone. And one of the things that we noted was that for the first time, people felt as though the city was creating an effort that was organized, that they felt as though the city was putting out information in a constructive manner in their language, 
that it was clear that the costs were affordable. And, you know, many of the individuals, you know, particularly uh, one woman I'm thinking of who was Asian Pacific Islander, who had a sick husband, they had tried, you know, traditional Eastern uh, medicines, which were helpful but really didn't address the underlying causes. And as a result of this program, for the first time, they were going to see a Western doctor. And so those kinds of things are really heartening when you really realize that you actually helped someone. You've changed from being, quote, a charity-type clinic to really giving a program where people have some power control, and it's got a positive aspect to it. It's healthy. Oh, absolutely. Tangerine, thanks for being our guest today and talking to us about the Healthy San Francisco program. I think it's fabulous. We'd like to hear more about it in the future. Absolutely. Welcome to come back at any time, Michael. Thank you. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM157, the channel for medical professionals. And we thank you for listening. <laughs>